Why do you think he can tell you to stop? Why do you think you hear that still small voice and you saying, this is the way? Walk in it. He knows exactly where you're going. He knows what's waiting on you. He knows when to stop you. But you got to listen. He's full of wisdom. Never hopeless. Ever. He's promised to lead us in all truth. And guess what else he said? He said, a neighbor won't have to teach a neighbor. We will all know the Lord from the least to the greatest. Brenda was, is my neighbor for how many years? Brenda, how long did I used to teach you? I taught you for many years, didn't I? Do you ever have to call me to be taught really anymore? Brenda calls me and teaches me. <laughs> One day she called me and said, Terry, my head was down in the toilet and I was scrubbing and God taught me about Abigail and Nabal and I'm having myself a fit. And that's true, isn't it? I'm going to read you something I read Wednesday night Bible study. What God has promised us if we will give up everything and pursue Him with all of our hearts. What He has promised us. uh, C.S. Lewis said, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by a holiday at the beach, we are far too easily pleased. Unbelievable what he's given us. Unbelievable. That's why the Bible says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. Isn't that something? God didn't mean for evangelism to just be us going out and trying to force Jesus on people. He meant for people to come to us and say, what is up with you? Why do you have hope? I have no hope in this world. What is wrong with you? Why are you always like this? There is something wrong. That's what he meant. We had a regional person. I'm out in the working world now. I don't know how I ended up with a big girl job, but I have one. And um, and I'm in the working world in corporate America. And um, there was a regional person there the other day. And I had just seen her in passing. We had spoken in the hall, and I'd spoken to residents and stuff. And I was trying to start a movie the other day. And you don't understand when somebody's kind of older, if you don't get things done quickly... They'll just tell you, and they will turn on you real quick. They love me, but I can disappoint them and be out of their favor quickly. So I was trying to start a movie, and the DVD player wouldn't work. The place was full. We had popcorn. Everybody's sitting there waiting, and I can't get it to work. I'm about 30 minutes in trying to get that thing to work. I'm like, please don't leave. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Finally, it starts working. So I jump up and down and scream. I drop to the floor and stand on my head. When all else fails, stop, drop, stand on your head. And um, and we all just clapped and had the best time. And I didn't know that that regional lady was watching me. <laughs> Till later that night. <laughs> and um, she didn't fuss at me or anything. But um, And Rick has told me many times, if you break your neck, I'm not taking care of you. 
Because he knows that there is just a law that if you're this big and you stand on your head and your neck is this small, it ought to snap. (laughs) I don't know how it has not, but it has not yet. (laughs) But, um, But we saw each other at the end of the day, and I was just standing there talking to her, and she said, I know this is so unprofessional. She said, but are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. I'm director of Winman's ministry at my church. And she said, I knew it. She said, love is just pouring out of you. And I had... (laughs) It's the way it ought to be. Christians shouldn't go around. I put on here like Eeyore. Y'all know Eeyore? I mean, most Christians are miserable, but they're not even lovable like Eeyore. At least Eeyore's lovable, isn't he? (laughs) We're just miserable and hateful. (laughs) But God's a lot of fun. I often say he made bumblebees. He made butterflies. He made stuff in the ocean that lights up. He made lightning bugs and their butt flashes. (laughs) And you know, sometimes I think, was he just showing off? Just like, explain this. It's butt flash. Did anybody ever pull them off and make rings out of them? Smelled good. Anybody remember that? So cruel. I'm glad I'm not a serial killer or anything. (laughs) The Holy Spirit. He's all-knowing. He knows. He knows. He knows what's wrong with your kids. He knows what's wrong with your husband. He knows what's wrong with you, even if you don't. You know, sometimes I have to go to God and I say, God, what's wrong with me? Why? Do I feel this way? What's going on? Even when I'm covered in doubts and fears, you know what my safety is? I take them and I carry them to God and I say, God, just reveal it to me. Show me what's going on in my heart. I have no idea. He knows why I'm wounded. He knows why certain things just drive me crazy. What a safe place to go. Because the Bible says that everything is open and laid bare before God. And as I'm ready, he can, he can bring things into my life and call, that cause me to do certain things. And that is a call to have a conversation with him. It's not a call to be ashamed. It's a call to come into him and say, God, show me. Show me what's going on. Help me. Heal me. You know he's called the great physician for a reason. He's called a wonderful counselor for a reason. He's called the comforter for a reason. Does that not scream neediness on our part? And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Nobody's big enough to meet your needs. You will flat wear them out. Only God can truly meet our needs. And sometimes he'll let you get what you thought you had to have so that you'll find out it's not the answer. You'll fight and claw to get it and do whatever you got to do to get whatever it is you want. And you will find out soon enough, well, this is just another burden i got to take care of. <laughs> that man I was dying for, now I'm picking up his underwear. And he comes home and says, well, we eating. <laughs> You're like, I thought you was going to fulfill me. <laughs> you are emptying me all the time. And then they got that look in their eyes. <laughs> the men that are in here do not think that's funny. But we all know what we're talking about here. (laughs) 
Like the dish has got to be done. The baby's got to be put in bed. Are you serious? <laughs> Ooh, I cracked myself up. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. I try not to laugh too much on this because I've heard myself sometimes. It's really irritating, so I'm trying to hold back because I do think I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> really. When I heard um, Revelation song not long ago, I'd, I'd heard it, but Whitney was singing. Uh, Brittany. Oh, sorry, Brittany, wherever you are. <laughs> I was thinking of Whitney Houston. <laughs> I fixed that one, didn't I? <laughs> Brittany was singing it, and I thought, that needs to be where I go with this talk. We need to go to the throne room, and we all need to see who our God is. We need to see who He is in Revelation, because he showed us a glimpse of that all through Scripture, who he is, because that's reality. What we see here is a shadow. What we live in here is a shadow. Reality is what's going on with God in heaven. Thy will be done on earth. Guess what? It's already done in heaven. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Nothing is ever going to take God by surprise. He's in the future. He's in your right now. He's in the past. He's the whole thing. There is nothing we cannot trust him with. We need a bigger view of who God is. We get that view, view from the Bible. This Bible is perfect. Every word is dripping with truth. You know what, one of the thrills of studying the Word of God and having the Holy Spirit in us to explain to us what it means, if you're a baby Christian, he'll teach you baby truths. And he'll teach you like a mom teaches, gives her baby really soft food at first. And then as that baby grows and the needs become more, you start to give them solid foods. And then you get to where you're grown and they can have a steak. When you get to the part where you're getting to have some steak in this word, some filet mignon, <laughs> bacon wrapped, <laughs> you know, that's where he wants to take us. He wants to take us where we can eat the meat of this word. It is the only thing that, was, that you were created to be satisfied by. Happy is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord Day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, bearing fruit each season without fail. Think of the things you meditate on. You need to get in that word. When you're in your car, think about Scripture. Think about the truth, and then God will start to open it. He taught me something this morning, and when I got in here, I know the band watched me back there twirling around and thought, well, she's going to be an embarrassment today. <laughs> but I calmed it down a little bit. When people tell me they need to be more disciplined so that they will read their Bible more, I say, you don't have a discipline problem. you got a love problem. Becca, you know I'm going to have to say something about you. Where are you, honey? Are you in here? Okay, sorry, but you're fair game. You're my child. Becca's got a boyfriend in the Marine Corps. <laughs> Semper Fi. Hoorah. <laughs> and she writes him air day he's off at um, he's off at uh, Quantico and 
I just thought of this, and I wasn't going to use it because I thought, Terry, don't use it, but then I've just been overcome. I've got to use it. <laughs> Becca is not disciplined in writing him every night. Guess why she writes him every night? It's not a discipline problem. She doesn't go, <sighs> got to write Parker, Mom. Quit talking for a while. <laughs> She's like, Mom, I'm trying to write Parker. Would you quit talking for a while? Um, because writing him a letter is probably more fun than anything else. I'm sorry, Becky. You don't mind, do you? Let him listen to this. He'll know how much you like him. <laughs> or he'll go, I'm getting out of that family. <laughs> One or the other. Uh, okay, so that's what I'm saying. It's a love problem. If you're in love, nobody has to make you do things. You can't wait to crack open this word. This is what he left us, the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation. You can open it up and it's alive. God will speak to you. He will feed the deepest part of you. He will satiate your soul. He will just have you dripping with his goodness. That's what he wants to do. That's why Brenda will call me in the middle of the day. And usually if Brenda gets a word from God, I I can't understand half of what you're saying because she's crying usually. But when she comes and tells me what God has taught her, it's, it's just unbelievable, the joy that is coming forth. So we have a love problem. But if this Bible's true, we can get a glimpse of who God is. We can peek inside the throne room and see what happens when God decides to show a person who he is is. And I want you to hear me when I say that. I said when God decides to show a person who he is. Because there's many places in scripture, well not many, but there's places in scripture where all of a sudden God opens up and says, look at me. And we're going to see what happens. But it's God's choice. We don't force our way into God. God lets us see him. I beg God, I beg God daily to show me who he is and teach me his ways. He brought me, he bought me the right to live in his glorious presence, in the fire of his glory. What excuse will any of us give him if we go through this life, and I put down here like Eeyore, instead of being filled with the glory of God? It's called the Shekinah glory of God. He should be poking out of us all over we should not be able to hold him in and his love for people you think of him on the cross when people were doing what they were doing to him the worst that could ever happen he was pressed to the uttermost and all that could pour out of him was love love for his mother love for the people hurting him and do you know that love is in us and this world is begging and pleading for somebody to love them And your presence can bring the love of the living God into any place that you walk. Do you understand the privilege we have every day? What a tragedy that we walk around like we're just defeated. It is not true. It is a lie. Job. Job 42, verses 1 through 8. And everybody knows the story of Job practically because people talk about the patience of Job. And we know with Job, he lost his family. 
His wife turned on him and said, why don't you curse God and die? Can you imagine you've just lost all your children and your wife, you thought she loved God, but when she lost everything, her true colors came out. Can I tell you that? Lose everything. Don't get what you want. And whatever comes out of you, I want you to understand that's what's in you. Don't get upset about what comes out of you. Thank God he has shown it to you on this side of glory so that you can do something about it. When I do something awful, I say, well, God, what in the world was that? Why did I do it? And what's going on? Because I want it fixed. I don't want to hide who I am all the time. I want him to put me in situations that show me who I am. People don't make me react a certain way. Circumstances around me make what's in me come out of me. Best thing that can ever happen to any of us. And people are embarrassed about it. And I tell y'all, I say this often when I'm speaking. Don't be embarrassed. I mean, it is kind of embarrassing, but um, God wouldn't expect anything out of us anyway. Look at the cross. If you wonder how bad it is, how bad this nature is we carry around in these bodies, look at the cross. Look at the beating. Look at the forsakenness. Look at the pain. That's what it cost God to be able to indwell this thing right here and every person in this room. Do not be intimidated by people. Don't be afraid of people. Job 42, 1 through 8, after he's gone through all he's gone through, and I don't know how long it took God to answer him. You know, he's crying out to God and says, if I could just get a, an audience with God, I would ask him why he's doing this, and I would ask him why he's doing that, and I would ask all these questions. Well, finally, God shows up in Job 41, and I'm not going to read it except that God just says, Job, where were you? When I set the boundaries for the ocean. Where were you when I made the storehouses for the snow? Where were you when I brought the stars forth? And where were you when I did this? And where were you when I did that? He just starts to question Job like a man. He says, where were you? And Job is all of a sudden overcome with the presence and the glory of God. And I want you to know something. Job doesn't say, and why did you let my children die? And why did you take away my health? And why did you do this? And why did you do that? You know, he thought if he had God in his presence, he would just question him and question him. But God showed up, and he was so overwhelmed. He said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Did y'all hear that? If God's decided that something's going to happen, do you know how we work around and try to make sure it happens and help him, especially if it comes to the children? You know, especially if it comes to you or the husband keeping his job, heaven forbid, something like that. I mean, we're going to work it around and try to help God out. That old unbelief rearing its ugly head. But he says, when he sees who God is, he said, nothing you ever say can be stopped. Who is, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. He said, I've talked about things and I didn't know what I was talking about. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye has seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent and dust and ashes. Best thing that ever happened to me was pursuing God with all my heart and coming into his presence. And I thought, why have you not killed me already? I do not understand why you've tolerated me and let me live. And this may sound crazy, 
But I disciple a lot of people. I teach a lot of people. And I've written in my prayer journal more than once. God, if you know I'm going to go off and do something crazy, would you rid the earth of me now? So I tell people, if I get hit by a Mack truck, you can know I was planning on doing something bad. (laughs) And praise God that I did. Because, and and I mean it, his glory is that important. If I'm going to go crazy, because I'm sure David didn't think he was going to go crazy. And I'm sure Solomon didn't think he was going to bow down to idols. I don't think anybody just plans on ruining their life like that. And I know how weak and wicked this person right here is. I know how fast something can turn me on a dime to do something I never intended to do. And I say, God, keep me safe. Keep me at the place where your glory can flow through me. And if not, get rid of me. Your glory is that important. So we see Job who gets a glimpse of God. Was he worried about his problems when God showed up? Mm -mm. He didn't even think about them. He was overwhelmed with who God is. And then we see Isaiah 6. King Uzziah had died, and he was a great man. King Uzziah, until the latter part of his life, pride caused him to have leprosy. And he saw the Lord, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two, they covered their face. Two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew, and one called to another, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And when you see that Lord of hosts, that means he is a warrior God. I want you to know, because I have to pray this for my own children, because they go out into the world, and I see danger in their life sometimes. And I cry out to him, and I say, Lord of hosts, please go fight for my children. And, you know, we're going to look at Revelation 19 in a minute. We're going to see who this Lord of hosts is. He rides a white horse. He knows everything. With his mouth, he can blow and knock this whole world over. That's who you're laying your kids at the feet of. Is there any safer place than with the Lord of hosts? Then one of the seraphim flew to me. Oh, wait, I I missed the whole thing here. Hang on. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. Because there's a temple in heaven, and he got to see into that temple, into the holy place in heaven. And there was thresholds, and, and, he, and everything started to shake at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke, because God is a consuming fire. I want you all to know that, just like the burning bush. He can consume you and let you blaze with unbelievable fire and smoke but it will not destroy you. He will just keep bringing you life and more life and more life. And I said, and this is what Isaiah said. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Because before you really see God, you start straightening up around people you think are much holier than you and all that kind of stuff. I remember I was that way. But if you ever see who God is on any level, you will start to see you're unclean and everybody else is unclean. And you will get to the place where you can't even make yourself give up on other people. Because if he can do something with you, he can do something with anybody. I used to think that he had something to work with when he got me. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. That sounds funny. Thank you all for laughing, putting an amen on that. (laughs) Some of you know me real well. Thank you. 
But I did. I would think, oh, he'll never be able to do something with this one or that one. But then like Isaiah, when I saw God, when I was pressing into his presence and saying, God, show me who you are, show me who you are. And then finally he let me see one day with spiritual eyes. It wasn't something I saw with my physical eyes. It put me down and I thought, who have I thought that I was? You can do whatever you want to do in any person on the face of this earth. If Charles Manson got down on the cell, and some of you are old enough to know who that is, if he got down on his cell floor and cried out to the living God, guess what? He could be filled with the Holy Ghost just like anybody on the face of this planet. Isn't that something? And we don't know that he won't before he dies. We don't know. Isn't that something? Nobody that you should give up on. But what that does, it puts you in your place, and it puts God in his place. And when he recognized who he was before a holy God, God moved. The seraphim took a coal from that atonement altar and touched his lips. And you know, it's so funny because he was a prophet. His lips was what he used to glorify God. But in the presence of God, even his lips were profane. But that seraphim took that coal and touched his lips. Even standing here before I got up here to speak, I remembered something that I had laughed about and been a part of. And before I came up here, just as we were ushered into God's presence through song, I stood there and said, God, forgive me. Clean me so that I can go up there and talk about you. And then I said, thank you that that's all I have to do is come to you and get before you and say, I'm sorry. And you will make me fit to go and be your ambassador. Because we're not going to get through this life without that junk. I wish, I wish I could tell you that we arrive. If I ever do, I will let everybody know. But at this point, I have not. Ezekiel 1, 26. Listen to what happened when he saw God. It says, And above the expanse over their heads there was the likeness. And there's a whole lot that talks about God. I wasn't going to read it all. But it says, Above the expanse over their heads there was the likeness of a throne, And listen to this, a likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. Do you see? He has no words. He's saying it's kind of like this. And what I saw was like that. And it was like this. But human words cannot describe the glory of the living God. There is no way we are left speechless when we've seen God. You don't even want to talk. You don't want to go brag about it or anything else. You are just put down to the earth. I think it's interesting. I'll finish reading this before I say that. And upward from what was the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire. And there was brightness all around him, like the appearance of a bow that's in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Do you see how he just can't, he's like, I don't know what to say. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. And you know, it struck me this morning as I was looking at that. What are we made of? Dirt. Do you see when we see God, your face just wants to go down and get in the dirt. Because you all of a sudden know that God is other. He is not like us. And all of a sudden, you feel your dirt, and you feel your dirtiness. 
So he fell on his face, and then he heard the voice of one speaking. And I think this is interesting. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And, I, and Ezekiel cannot stand on his feet. God's presence has overwhelmed him. He's just become like water. So guess what God had to do? As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. God had to go in and help him to do what he commanded him to do because he was unable to stand up in the presence of God. Hang on. Okay. And I read this this morning, so I printed it. And and this is A.W. Tozer who wrote this. If any of you don't read A.W. Tozer, read some of his books. I've read so many of his books. I read them over and over again. He's a man who lived in the presence of God like no other probably I've ever, well, I've never read a few that have, but he's something else. And he said, in the book of Ezekiel, the first chapter, Ezekiel sat by the river Kibar, despondent and dejected. God opened the heavens, and Ezekiel saw God. And then coming out of the fire, he saw four creatures. We Christians should be men and women out of the fire. We should be perfectly normal and sound. Nobody laugh. We should, be, we should cultivate a sense of humor. We should be perfectly down to earth and as practical as James. But then again... We should have the top side of our souls open to mystery. We should have a window above open to the mystery that is God. Every Christian should be a walking miracle and never be the kind of person who can be explained. God is holy, and because he's holy, he is actively hostile towards sin. He must be. God can only burn on and burn on And burn on against sin forever. Never let any spiritual experience or any interpretation of Scripture lessen your hatred for sin. It was sin that brought the ruin of the race. It was sin that brought the Savior to die on the cross. And it is sin that has filled every jail and hospital and insane asylum. Um, Oswald Chambers says there's two places to take your sin. To the cross or to the insane asylum. Truly. If God had not gotten full control of me, I would be crazy by now and only able to function on medicine, I'm sure. Completely crazy because sin is not the natural way for God's creation to live. It is unnatural. That's why before I came up here and spoke, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gripped me and said, you need to confess that before you get up and represent me. And I'm afraid enough of God that I'm going to do that. The fear of God is something I never want to lose. It is sin that has made every murder, every divorce, and every crime that has been committed since the world began. In the presence of this awful holy God, sin can never be anything but a devious deformity. Moses saw God's glory. And he asked God, he said, God... Show me your glory. And God said, I will. But guess what God had to do first? He had to put him in the cleft of a rock to protect him from his presence as he passed by so he would not die. Yet God, through the death of Jesus Christ, has made a way for that God to live inside of you. 
And when God passed by, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Do you see it again? We're made of dust. Where did his face go? To the dust. And there's places in here when God gets you the way he wants to have you. It is not impossible. I just don't see many people that want God. People want the peace of God. They want the protection of God. They don't want their kids hurt. They want a house with 2.5 kids, two new cars, fence, uh, key fobs, and all that kind of stuff. And they think God may be able to help me get that. But I don't see many people that are desperate like a deer pants for the water. My soul longs for you. You were created, every person in here, by the hands of Almighty God. Psalm 139 says that you were knit together in your mother's womb by God's own hands. And if you don't know him the way he wants you to know him, there will be no excuse except you did not want him. Easily distracted by a bunch of stuff. And we're going to leave every single thing here. When we get to heaven, you don't even get to take your clothes. Nothing. You came into this world naked, and guess how you're going to leave it? You don't get to take one thing with you. Even the things that we're going to be able to put at his feet, he will have to give them to us to put at his feet. The clothing that I will wear in heaven, he will have to provide everything. Do you know we're that needy now whether we realize it or not? Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Yet we chase a bunch of stupid stuff hair and makeup and where'd you get those pants and those shoes are beautiful who does your toenails I did my toenails after I put these shoes on this morning because they had one dot of paint polish on them from last summer (laughs) on my big toes only I didn't even paint the little toes you can't even find it so okay But we are the temple, guys. All that stuff in the Old Testament was just a shadow of the reality that God was so excited about. When Christ had the Passover, when he said, I've longed to meet with you, knowing they were all going to deny him, he was so excited because he knew, I'm getting ready to die and these people are finally going to be righteous. I'm going to fill them with my Holy Spirit and they're going to love me. And they're going to be what they were created to be. This is going to be awesome. I believe God has looked forward to what we have now from the beginning of time. I think it's exciting to God to see us go, God, I want you with all my heart. And then he says, good, I want to put my glory in you. And I want to bless you in ways that you never imagined. We just have this weird thought that blessing is a bunch of stuff. Blessing is the presence of the living God alone. That's it. That's all that matters. When um, Moses finished the work, God told him how to build the temple. And Moses did it according to how God said. And when he finished that temple, the Bible says that the cloud 
came down and filled the temple, and the priests couldn't even go in and do their work because the Shekinah glory of God came down and filled the temple. King Solomon built the temple like God had said. They brought the ark in, which was the presence of God, and when they put that ark in the temple, all of a sudden the cloud came down. The Shekinah glory filled the temple. The priest could not go in. It said, A cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand a minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The Shekinah glory. We think we have troubles, but listen to the truth. You are a joint heir with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Seriously? A joint heir? What's an heir? H-E-I-R. You get an inheritance equal with Jesus Christ. You are a joint heir. Revelation 5, I love the scripture. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, being God, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. Not even the one on the throne. The Lamb's the one who paid the price. Jesus paid the price. For a little while, he was made lower than the angels. But now he's exalted to the highest place. King of kings and Lord of lords. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Do you know he's not going to conquer? done so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth and he went and he took that scroll from the high right hand of him who was seated on the throne and when he took the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb with a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are your prayers. Your prayers are not hitting the ceiling. They're going up, and God holds your prayers. They are precious. He does not forget one of them. And they sang a song, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, meaning he bought us back. We were sold into sin, belonged to the devil. He paid the ransom for our freedom. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. Guess what you are? A priestess. We're priests. Guess where priests got to go? Into the presence of God. We're a kingdom now. And we're priests. We may be women and all that good stuff, but we've got just the exact same right to go in and speak with the king of glory and live there and it just amazes me when I look at what's going on in heaven they're saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped and yet do we do that Guess what the right thing to be doing? If we knew 
what he has offered us, it would put us all on our face and we would be so grateful we would not know what to do with ourselves. We wouldn't be asking ourselves, why did you allow this? And why did you allow that? We would say, Lord, why have you allowed me to know you? I cannot believe that you have redeemed me, ransomed me, and filled me with your spirit and given me every promise in this book. I am a rich woman. Revelation 19. My, my. I put woohoo after this one with a big exclamation point. Revelation 19. Listen to who our king is, you all. Then I saw heaven open, 1911. And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges, and guess what? He makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And guess what you have in your hand? The Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen and white and pure were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. You know what that sword is? Somebody moved my Bible this morning. I said, don't be touching my sword. They said it was a heavy sword. I like my big Bible. I want a big Bible. The sword is the, the word of God is your sword. It is your battle. It's, it's what you use. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He's not a little baby anymore. He's the king. He's the warrior God. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, and guess what it is? He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. And this is something I felt like he just taught me this morning. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street to the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Guess what's going on in heaven all the time? Worship. Guess what should be going on in your life all the time? Worship. And listen to this, guys. This is just the best news ever. They will see his face. We're going to get to look into the face of God. And his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and there will be no need of light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And I want you to see that, the throne in heaven and what's coming from the throne, the water of life. I want you to see what that water is and how consistent God's scripture is for us. Now that we're Christians, Jesus said in... um, In John 7, with a voice that cried out, in a loud voice he cried, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers. What was flowing out from the throne of God? Rivers of living water. Now he said that about the spirit whom those who believed in him were going to receive. The throne is now inside of here. 
He's made us a kingdom. He's made us priests, and we're the temple of God. He sits in here, and when he's on the throne of your life, guess what's going to be coming out of that throne? Rivers. Rivers. Not ponds. Not stagnant little waters. But rivers of living water are going to come from his presence in you. And there is no end. It's infinite. It never slacks. He's always got it to come out of you. That's why he said in Jeremiah 2, he said, Be appalled about this, for my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the well of living water, and they've dug for themselves their own cisterns. Cisterns that cannot hold water. You know what that's a picture of? I'm going to control my own life, God. I'm not going to come to you because I want the glory and I want to control my life and I want people to think I'm this and that. I want to tell you, you can't think worse of me than the truth. It's a miracle that God grabbed me from the bottom of the barrel, set my feet on solid ground. You won't hear me talk about people often. I'm not saying I never do it. But when I do, I get my hide whipped. Because anything I could say about anybody, I have seen it in myself. That's the reason I even recognize the wretchedness in anybody else. But that's what, he doesn't want us to look at other people like that. I've been invited to live face-to-face and heart-to-heart with God now. As my sweet Brenda says, eternal life starts now. We're seated with God in the heavenlies with Christ. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one just like he and Jesus were one. He knew that would be a reality when the Spirit came and he is here. Listen to this about the veil. I want you all to know just what a privilege it is to be able to be in the Holy of Holies with God. The veil was a barrier to make sure that man could not carelessly and irreverently enter into God's awesome presence. Even as the high priest entered the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, he had to make some meticulous preparations. He had to wash himself, put on special clothing, bring burning incense to let the smoke cover his eyes from a direct view of God and bring blood with him to make atonement for his sin. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and the sins the people had committed in ignorance, Hebrews 9, 7. So the presence of God remained shielded from man behind a thick curtain during the history of Israel. However, Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross changed that. When he died, that curtain in Jerusalem temple was torn in half from the top to the bottom. Only God could have carried out such an incredible feat because the veil was too high for human hands to have reached it and too thick to have torn it. The Jerusalem temple was a replica of the wilderness temple and it had a curtain about 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. Furthermore, it was torn from top to bottom, meaning this act must come from above. We are hard-pressed on every side. Whoops, I'm missing one. Hang on just a second. Second Corinthians 3. Just talking about that veil. I want you to listen to this. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters, this is 2 Corinthians 3, 7. If the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not look at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit 
have even more glory? Y'all know Moses went up there and he stood in the presence of God Almighty. He didn't even have to eat for 40 days. And yet God says that glory was nothing compared to the glory we have now. Is that your reality? Is that your reality in your life because that's what God intends for it to be? For if there was a glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed its glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. It's kind of like the stars. You see the stars and they have light, but when the sun comes up, what happens to the stars? It's so much more glory that you can't see that glory anymore. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. What we have, y'all, is permanent. We're just going to leave this earth and go where we belong. We're already living there. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites would not see the glory fading. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. It's hard to believe when you read this Bible that you can't see Jesus, isn't it? It's hard to believe that Jewish people can read that and not see our Jesus in Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. And in the fact that God said, let us make man in our, in our image. It's just so hard to believe. But y'all, there's a veil over them. And if you've come to the Lord, guess what? He tore that veil for you and somehow opened your eyes to see him. It is a miracle. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Guess whose image we're being transformed into? Because Brenda said these are the crushers because he's trying to perfect me and make me like himself. He's trying to turn us into what he was when he was on this earth. And you have to cooperate with him. And I'm going to tell you something. It will not happen without being crushed. He cannot do it in comfort. If he could have, I'd have found a way to do it. It cannot be. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is, is the Spirit. The Old Testament, there was a reflection of God's glory. When somebody was in God's presence, they could reflect that glory, but it would fade. But in the New Testament, with what we have, God puts the glory in us so people know it could not come from us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 but we have this treasure in jars of clay. I want you to hear this, guys. We have this treasure, the spirit of the living God. Clay, what is clay? Somebody tell me, what's clay? Dirt. Dirt. Oh, and how we work on this dirt. Oh, my gosh. We stretch it. We Botox it. We put paint on it. I mean, we work so hard on this dirt. So we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, all-surpassing, surpasses everything that comes against us. It is all-surpassing. God says, I want to crush you 
in that jar of clay so that everybody around you is going to see this power in you that nobody can explain. So that they'll see that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Because if we can take credit for it, we will. We'll say enough about you. Let's talk. No, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? Takes a minute to get that one. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Do you see the crushing down of this so the glory can come up? For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Do you hear that? If you've given yourself to God, he says, you're being given over to death for my sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. The immortal God and all His glory shining through a simple jar of clay. Oh Lord, show us Your glory. Let's pray. Father, I just come to You and I thank You for Your words. They are water to our souls. They are everything, as Dot said up there, our daily food. You never meant for us to go through this life without this word, without this word being burned into our hearts. I do not know how people make it who do not get up and look in your face before they look at anybody else's face. We are needy. We destroy people because we look to them for happiness and we let struggles crush us when you tell us plainly in your word in this world you will have be, have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world in jesus name amen the altar's open if anyone wants to pray or come up if not you can work, talk to god in your seats